This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell, and we have a one-on-one conversation today with the Toledo Symphony's music director, Elaine Trudell. We're going to talk about something very close to his heart. First of all, let me welcome you, Elaine. Hello, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. So you're up at home in, in Montreal right now, in Quebec, yeah? Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm coming back uh, at the end of the week. I'm coming back soon. Yeah, you're coming back. Well, one of the reasons that you're coming back is to conduct a concert that's happening a week from tomorrow. It's Thursday, March 23rd, from the ongoing Toledo Jazz Orchestra series. It's eight o'clock p.m. at the Valentine Theater, entitled "Take the A Train." And you can find more information about this by going online to the website at ToledoSymphony.com. And also call up their box office if you choose. That is at 419-246-8000. So, Elaine, I've got you on the phone. We've talked before about the Toledo Jazz Orchestra, but you've done a few concerts with them now, right? Well, we're, we're, we're starting to uh, to know each other a little bit better each time. So <laughs> I, this, will be, this will be our third one. Uh, they've had... Also, a Christmas concert, which wasn't with me, which we had a, a program on as well. And uh, they're a wonderful, wonderful group. And we were doing some interesting programming with them. Yeah. And interesting uh, arrangements. And uh, this one is not really about the arrangement. This one is more transcription of uh, being in the, the tradition. So it's a different program. Yeah, the jazz tradition, we should say. I have here that it's a tribute to Duke Ellington and Billy Strayhorn. Is that sort of the premise of the concert? You're going to hear a lot of cuts by those folks? Uh, absolutely. It will be, uh, of course, mainly the jazz orchestra. A few uh, a few little combo pieces uh, to feature some of our wonderful soloists and the jazz orchestra, but they're also featured, uh, as as people know, if they know uh, jazz ensemble and big band tunes, uh, they're featured within the pieces. But uh, what's really interesting is we're, we are taking... Most, I would say, 90% of what we're going to play comes from um, the library of the Jazz at Lincoln Center Orchestra, the the group that is led by uh, Marsalis. Yeah. And uh, they have a wonderful library of music, which actually is transcribed from original recordings from Duke Ellington. So they're, they're, they're trying to go as close as possible to to the original way that Duke Ellington uh, and his band uh, used to interpret that music. Yeah, well, we should mention, you know, I mean, like a lot of musicians do today, they created a lot of the songs in the studio, right? And that's why you have to transcribe from what they did in the studio on the album to make it work for live performance today. Am I right in, in saying that? Yeah, because, you know, uh, a lot of it, uh, it's very different from now. Now, everything is to be formatted before. Uh, studio time is very, very rare. Usually you record live and everything is so expensive. You have to uh, you have to make sure all is rehearsed every the All the, you know, you don't have one uh, hair that uh, is out of place, which is yeah. not great for me, actually, as you know. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to pull up my sound effect just for that joke okay <laughs> and um, so so it's really interesting to have people that took the time to because you know it was more of a laboratory back then to come back to what you were saying yeah and they had time to to 
reworked some arrangement. And what's really interesting about Duke Ellington's orchestra is that it's, um, again, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a metaphor for America. It's a, it's a group of individuals that come together to create something very strong as they come together, but their individuality is also very important. And the individuality, make the, they make, it makes the group stronger. Mm. So it's very different from other kinds of big band where what's really the most important thing is uh, to be uh, homogeneous, right? Yeah. So this one, you know, the, he really wrote for each of the players. Speaking of the players, you've had a few concerts, as you mentioned, with them so far. Is the honeymoon period still going on, or is it over? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think we're 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 just uh, walking from the altar to the buffet right now. <laughs> <laughs> Alain Trudel, if you didn't know, is the, uh, the the newly appointed. I guess we can still say newly appointed since you, oh, yeah. it's only this season. Uh, artistic director of the Toledo Jazz Orchestra. And I've heard from a lot of folks who have attended these concerts that they're a great affair and they're they're well attended. So I would urge folks to uh, definitely check out the, uh, the concert that's happening again a week from tomorrow. It's Thursday, March 23rd, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Valentine Theater. Toledo Jazz Orchestra with Elaine Trudell. You are, of course, a world-class trombone player. Are you pulling out your instrument for this concert? Yes, I will. I, I, I've done it at every concert now that we've been playing together. It's a great motivation for me also because we have some really great soloists in the group, and I just, you know, it's it's nice. For me, it's a great motivation when I play with great players because I want to, you know, I want to represent, as they say. Yeah. And uh, I, I, it forces me to practice a little bit more. Sometimes <laughs> I, you know, there's no time, but, you know, 10.30 at night, I put the mute in. I do an extra half hour. And, uh, you know, when I think I'm going to go to bed or not or after a concert. or So it keeps, keeps me disciplined a little bit more. So I, I'm really excited about it. Does it make you at all nervous to get up there and be the, you know, the star soloist on your trombone with that whole band of, as you describe them, remarkable musicians, you know, peering over your shoulder, as it were? Does that does that affect you at all? Yes and no. I mean, that's not how I see it. I really see it as you get to a point in your life where your hardest critique will always be yourself. I'm not more nervous when I play a, a concert than at home because... I'm harsh on myself with it. When there's something that's not working, I'm like, Mwah. so I I try not to show up on stage with uh, too many question marks. I like uh, <laughs> I like to have exclamation points. <laughs> so yeah. uh, that's that, that's a bit more. But uh, no, that's not part of it. And also, when you have such good players, that I have to say, you know, uh, sometimes they carry you a little bit. Now, not to say that you know I can't hold my own, but I mean it's uh, it's it's interesting because you don't feel you have the responsibility of. Uh, of carrying them, so it's uh, no, it's really nice, and uh, I think especially for this program that's coming up next week, it's really enjoyable because we're going to go back to the essence of swing, the essence of uh, creativity. Uh, it's not a modern program, like you know, we we don't have like uh, charts from uh, let's say Buddy Rich or which we will someday, or Manor Ferguson or uh, or more modern bands. Uh, but we, those tunes that, you know, if you take, uh, take the A-Train, of course, because it's the title, but, you know, Lush Life, uh, Cottontail, uh, Moon in, Indigo, Coco, 
we go back and we go back to the interpretation that Duke Ellington really was doing had in mind. It's very close, actually, to putting together a classical music program because we're actually trying to be in the spirit of the composer at that time. Speaking of the composer, uh, I know that I told you there wouldn't be a quiz, but I put together a little something anyway, which should be uh, which should be pretty easy for you. There were not going to be any math on this test. <laughs> There's no math. Definitely no math. There's no math on any of my tests uh, because I'm so bad at math. But this is called Who Wrote It? So I'm going to go through okay. and we'll just do a flash round here. Um, you tell me who wrote the song that I'm going to name. And, and you have four possibilities. It's either Billy Strayhorn, uh, Duke Ellington, both or neither. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. So... I will say the title, and you say the answer. And I do have some music for you. This is a track called Take the B Train. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll say the title, and you give the answer. Oh, boy. Okay, let's go. First one is Lush Life. Lush Life. Oh, that's an easy one. That's really straight horn, and there's a beautiful version with the the hand signal. Excellent. It don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Uh, I think it's just Duke. Uh, yeah, Duke, uh, just Duke Ellington. That's right. Yay! How about Fly Me to the Moon? No, that's neither. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yay! That was actually by Bart Howard, whoever that is. It sounds like a made-up name. You know who Bart Howard is? Or was? You know, a lot of them have made up, made up name, right? Yeah. Those com- composers came from uh, Europe, and they they made a, they gave themselves an American name. Yeah, to uh, you know, to be more, uh, to be easier to to access their name or to sound more American uh, in the jazz world. And uh, anyway, cool. But, uh, no, I don't know that particular what's his real name. Or <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lotus Blossom. Who wrote Lotus Blossom? Um, that was Blossom. I think it's Duke. Try um, again. Is it both? <laughs> no. Again, oh this, is, this is an entirely unscientific quiz, so the answers that I got may not be the actual truth, but I had that listed as a Billy Strayhorn tune. Oh, well, that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. How about Chelsea Bridge? Chelsea Bridge. Uh, mm, good question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I kind of don't know actually. <laughs> I think that one is also Billy Strayhorn. That's what I'm going with there. Okay, take the A train. Who wrote that? That's Billy Strayhorn. Billy Strayhorn and a little bit of collaboration from Duke Ellington, but I'm going to give that. A little bit, but it's really Billy Strayhorn. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of those tunes are really Billy Strayhorn. They had they had kind of a. A, uh, a John Lennon, Paul McCartney songwriting credit going on there with all of that, some of those songs. Yeah. How about the Mood Indigo? That's just Duke. That is just the Duke. Yay! Very good. How about the River? That's not a song, oh, actually. Oh, that's, oh, come on, <laughs> we played it with the symphony. <laughs> <laughs> that's Duke Ellington. Yeah. <laughs> I've only got two left. Okay, how about Satin Doll? Satin Doll. Uh, oh, that's a good question. 
I, I know there's him, but um, Just Duke go. Ellington. Duke Ellington and, okay, it was credited to Duke Ellington. It's kind of a trick yeah. question because it was credited as the song having been written by Duke Ellington, but actually Billy Strayhorn contributed to it as well. So oh. either answer, either Ellington or both would be right, so you definitely get that one. And the last one here. <laughs> the last one on my list is Grand Grand Lewis. Whoa, Grand <laughs> <Graham> Lewis. <laughs> that sounds like like a tune I wrote at some point. <laughs> <laughs> that is a tune you wrote. So the answer is neither. Was that Louis Armstrong that precipitated the title, or was it a different Louis? Or was it Louis? No, it was my great-grandfather. Oh, okay. Well, I want to hear the story uh, about that. The French title, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was your of your great-grandfather, Louis the Sixteenth, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. Oh, boy, no. <laughs> yeah, we opened up a whole can of worms there. Um, now, yeah, exactly. yeah, you have won the quiz, so congratulations to you. I'll, I'll make sure and call Merwin after this. Yeah, make sure and call Merwin. Rub it in a little bit that you were able to win the quiz. You had almost all the answers right, except for a couple of them, which were kind of questionable on my part, but uh, definitely definitely had a little... I, I have to tell you, Brad, it's a lot of pressure to do the quiz alone. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah. this yeah. weekend I'm going to be at the Metropolitan Opera doing their quiz, and that is nerve-wracking, let me tell oh. you. Well, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> yes, uh, indeed. Is it uh, during um, uh, the Wagner Opera, or is it... Uh, yeah, it's during Lohengrin, nice. the Wagner Opera. Oh, nice. I've seen some uh, parts of rehearsal, and they're sounding amazing. Yeah. Um, hopefully I will get to see it on Saturday as well, so... I'm very, very proud also because it's two Quebecers, like the director and the conductor. Wow, yeah. And, yeah. and of course, the conductor you, you've worked with quite a quite bit, Yannick uh, Nizé Sagan. And, and yeah. I play your recording with him occasionally. With him. Oh, right. <laughs> he was the pianist, you remember? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's, and you know what? It's important to keep um, a connection to an instrument even when you're you conduct a lot sometimes it takes like i was i was half joking when i was saying you know 10 30 11 at night you just pick it up you play a little bit and it takes a lot of dedication but uh you know sometimes when you see conductors who haven't played their instrument for a very long time they start asking things that are almost a a theory music theory instead of something that's also practical but i'm not saying practical because you don't have any you know, uh, any vision of the concept. It's not that. It's just, you know, you need to ask for things that are doable, mm. still moving into your vision of the piece, you know, or what you think the composer's vision of the piece is. But uh, it's a big difference when you don't play at all. Yeah. Well, how does it yeah. affect your jazz chops? Because I assume that it's a little different than playing classical music, like the difference between as a trombonist. I, Go ahead. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, so I think because I was first a jazz player, it's easier a little bit to play jazz. And jazz is the the strength of the message. It doesn't have to, you know, you don't have to play every note as written. And because you you when you play a solo, you you make it up yourself, right? Yeah. But at the same time, you really need to pay your dues uh, regularly. So uh, sometimes I have to say I 
I do. Uh, I put the good old uh, Abrasol recording, which is uh, kind of a minus one uh, recording. So you have the band without the the the, the lead part, and I'm just practicing uh, at my apartment in Toledo or in the basement here in Montreal, or mm. I just play for for an hour some a uh, bunch of standards, and it gets me. Uh, it keeps me in shape because you you have to keep your mind sharp as well as your your chops. Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, now, a lot of folks, of course, are familiar with Duke Ellington, maybe not as mm-hmm. much with Billy Strayhorn, even though he was like such an important part of Ellington's musical life for many years. I, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about Billy Strayhorn and where he fits in to the, the whole Duke Ellington uh, universe, as it were. Yeah, well, well, like you said, it's like uh, there's also the... You know, the people work in tandem very often. Uh, there, there's a, a person that's more, you know, in front of the stage who, who like Duke Ellington was a better organizer, right? Mm. Uh, he, he was a, it's difficult to run a big band. It's difficult to run an orchestra. So you need to, to have a certain kind of qualities, which doesn't give you, maybe doesn't didn't give him as much time as uh, as he wanted to, to just go and write some music there. But, you also need to meet the right um, to, to the right people because it's like they shared the same mind a little bit, which mm. is very interesting, right? And uh, but you know when you're when you're a teenager and you write a piece like Lush Life because you have to think about it. When Billy Strayhorn was, he wasn't even 18 when he wrote Lush Life, which is probably the standard that we practice the most because it's first of all the hardest one to play yeah. because of the the tonality, the change of chords, the colors in it. But uh, I think it was uh, Strandberg was very influenced before meeting Duke Ellington, you know, like people like uh, our fellow Toledo, Toledo uh, artist, Art Tatum, which we'll talk about later in the year. Yeah. But uh, it was, you know, when he met uh, well, not necessarily met, I mean, but when he was introduced to, to their music, music of Art Tatum and eventually of Duke Ellington, it really made a big, big impression on him. It's, uh, it guides him to the kind of jazz he, he wants to, to write. But uh, I think the first time he saw Duke Ellington, he was still quite young, you know, he, uh, but I think he really wanted to, uh, they felt, he, I think he heard him like five years before he started working with him. So mm. he just, you know, he didn't want to be a band leader, Strayhorn. He really wanted to be part of working like a composer. And uh, when they finally met, they, I think they clicked r- right right away. Like, you know, uh, Duke Ellington used to say that uh, Strayhorn was, yes, his right arm, his left arm, his eyes on the back of his head, uh, his brain waves mm. are the same as, as his brain waves. So basically it's like, that is the perfect compliment to to him because Duke Ellington wrote a lot of extraordinary music, but you know as, as time goes by, you need to be uh, to, to to work more with the band and to have more activities and make the band uh, how could I say a full time thing for all the the players. And while it's important to have somebody that you can uh, you can absolutely feel that you can give your complete trust. And, you know, like you finish each other's sentences kind of thing. Well, it sounds like a great partnership. Uh, did you know that Billy Strayhorn was actually born in Ohio? But yeah, yeah, he's from Dayton. Yeah, he was born in Dayton, Ohio. So kind of a homecoming for his music, at least. You talk about their uh, meeting uh, for the first time, and, and it's a great story about 
that song, Take the A Train, which was inspired by that meeting. Yeah, because that's the train you take in, in Ireland, right? You want to get anywhere. Really. Yeah. So what's really interesting is that they're, they're complementary musically, but with their character as, as well, right? So yeah. it's um, because Trey Orn was, you know, very, uh, not shy, but how do you say in English, like mild-mannered, is that it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, a bit smaller. It, it looked like he was, it was easier for him to flourish if he was, the, just the composer and arranger, you know. Mm. So it's. Uh, I think it's. Um, it was. It was a really good partnership. And uh, what's interesting also is that Duke Ellington was a fantastic composer. So it would have been not as good a relationship if Straight On was the guy writing all the tunes, having all the inspiration. The other one was uh, collecting the applause and uh, yeah. the laurels, and you know that that would be different. That wouldn't be good. But since they were both really great, uh, great uh, musicians. Uh, I think it worked out just fine. But yeah. you know, I have a story about uh, you know when when Strayhorn passed away. I don't know if you remember when we we had um, as a guest we had Gene Denovi who came to play with us with the symphony. Yeah, right. That was a while back. It wasn't yeah. my first season. It was five years ago. And Gene was uh, of course new also to Kennington and. And when when uh, Strayhorn passed away, Duke Ellington offered him to continue uh, his legacy. Wow! So that was like for me, it's uh, you know like jazz is always uh, it's kind of an oral tradition. Now it's great uh, uh, that organizations such as the Jazz at Lincoln Center they have transcriptions that uh, that you know you can actually read them and you can share them with younger generations. But a big things you know one no degrees of separation you know somebody who knew somebody yeah. uh, who played like, like when playing a lot with gene got me closer to the universe of duke ellington I, i've been playing the music of duke ellington very very differently since i played with gene which is not it's not Billy strayhorn but it would have been the person who would have continued the in that style you know after yeah. that it's a great connection yeah yeah great yeah the the big difference I would say is that um well as mostly is you get a little bit older or you get a little bit more mature you play closer to the to the tune you play closer to the song you start playing playing maybe a little less known notes all around and uh each note has a particular inflection that you that's one thing you see a lot like uh, Johnny Hodge, for example the lead alto of uh, the Duke Ellington uh, uh, Jazz Orchestra. Well, he, a lot of pe- a lot of pieces were written especially for him, a lot of solos. And he had his particular way of playing. So we're going to try to bring that to the forefront, uh, even with our players, you know. Yeah. Well, the concert is uh, a week from tomorrow. It's Thursday, March 23rd, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Valentine Theater, the Toledo Jazz Orchestra, Elaine Trudell, the headliner, of the program. Um, you know, Elaine, it's interesting to watch you working with the Toledo Symphony and seeing, sort of getting a, a feeling, and maybe I'm making this up, but you can tell me, that you bring your jazz chops a little bit to the podium and the way that you work with instruments and the way that you identify with, especially with instruments who have a solo, you know, who have the spotlight on them. I, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how jazz affects your classical career, I mean, as a conductor. 
I, that's a very good question. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I, if, I, if I have to think about it, um, I would say there's a certain, um, there's certain freedom that I, I like our principals to have when they have solos. But the thing is that, and it's the same thing in jazz really also, is that you have to be, aw- uh, uh, you have to acknowledge and be, not to be, just be aware, but acknowledge and embrace the tradition of whatever you're playing. If you're playing Beethoven in a certain way, if you're playing uh, Tchaikovsky a certain way, Mahler a certain way. So as long as uh, the players are within that um, that frame, it's it's not it's not so uh, um, restrictive. Mm. It's just as long as you understand the style, which they do very well, of course, because they have so much experience. They then then I, I like them to have a little bit of freedom, like to bring something. Not necessarily just uh, they they don't change it to put their own name on it. But, you know, their own sensitivity, their own understanding of the composer. I think that's the best way to put it. I like them to show us their understanding of that particular composer and to share that with us instead of always doing what the conductor asks of them. You know, uh, yeah. So maybe maybe that's a little bit influenced by that. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. It's just respecting the individual when they, when they have something to do. Of course, it has to be within the, within the style that we're playing. But uh, maybe there's a little bit of that. I, I I don't know other than that, but that's a really great question. I'm going to be thinking about that in the next concert. Well, everything that you just said could apply equally to working with the jazz orchestra as well as the, the symphony. I mean, it's all about True. music, you know. As Duke Ellington said, there are two kinds of music, right? Yeah, exactly. And that, that's, that, that I live by that. You know the and but I changed it a little bit because he said there's good music and bad music. I say for me there's music I appreciate music I don't appreciate. That's very personal, and I and I try not to not to do the one I don't appreciate. And if I know that there's something I don't appreciate but others appreciate, then we get there's always guests for that. <laughs> yeah, you're you're so nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but it's true. I mean, you know, it's I have to be honest. I mean, yeah. it's uh, intellectual uh, honesty is that uh, integrity is that you know there's uh, some kind of music that's not really my cup of tea. I mean, of course, if you're so, uh, if somebody would be, I, I, it's pretty broad. My taste is very eclectic, but it's uh, like a lot of things. Okay, you cannot be music director if you only like two composers, right? Yeah, but. Um, you need to have a genuine love for many different styles, but um, there are a few things that really not my my for my forte or my thing. And then, uh, but but you know, I don't want to um, to be uh, our public not not to be able to to for us to share that music with them. So sometimes we have a guest. It's not only for that. But for example, the last program we had, um, not the last program, but one of the last programs we had with uh, Joan Valera. Uh, is a program I love every single piece of the program, but yeah. you know, you have to. It's nice to have somebody else come and uh, have their shared their vision of that. And the same with the jazz orchestra. But we're not going to see the Toledo Country and Western Band anytime soon, right? <laughs> you know what? You've you've hit on one style I do like. I love country uh. music. <laughs> For example, I think Dolly Parton is a fantastic composer. Yeah. I I mean. Uh, 
people a lot of people don't know this but uh don't know this fact but uh you know that uh what is it that whitney houston tune um i will always love you yeah that's a dolly Parton tune you know and uh, of course jolene and the, i mean those are what i like about country music i know it's very far from what we <laughs> we're talking about is i don't like all country music like you were saying with duke ellington it doesn't mean you embrace everything you embrace the part that you like uh, but what I like is the sincerity, and yeah. that that you know, like the, it's as sincere as Shostakovich, you know. It's interesting the 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 way that music has those common elements between genres that that make it appealing to you. What would you say to a prospective audience member who attends those Toledo Symphony Orchestra concerts and they hesitate to go to the jazz orchestra because it's not their not their thing, as it were? What, how would you sort of entice them to be interested in, in those offerings in the jazz orchestra? Well, first thing I would say is buy your ticket early because from what <laughs> I've seen, uh, <laughs> they go like hotcakes. But yeah. uh, I, well, you know what? I And the same is, is true from people who just go to the jazz concert, don't come to the classical concert. There's not, uh, people don't really, uh, how do you say, there's not the migration so much for, from one to the other. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's, is try to go past the the style itself, but the essence of it. Like you know, what do you feel the sincerity behind the music? Do you feel that uh, there's a story being told there? Do you, but at the same time, you know, all tastes are you know and and nature. So, uh, but but why not try? Why not go once? You know, yeah. and see if you like it. I I mean that's probably what I would say. And uh, you know, it's uh, there especially something like Duke Ellington because the the concepts are very interesting. He wrote a, I I put some Duke Ellington in our symphony concerts. As you know, you were talking about yeah. the river. The river is a fantastic symphonic poem that I put on the Canadian brass concert we had, mm-hmm. and people loved it. It's just often we have a preconceived idea that either we're not knowledgeable enough. Or it's just not something that we're used to, or maybe it's not for me, or that kind of thing. I mean, you'll never know if you don't try. That's for sure. That's true. Someday I want to have an in-depth conversation with you about the different kinds of jazz, because you you seem a little more old school, which I am definitely, and Mm -hmm. this particular program certainly fits that mold of, like, you know, classic, classic jazz hits. Can you talk about yeah. some of the stuff that that we're going to hear on the program? Oh yes, uh, we're going to hear a lot of things on the program. I really wanted everybody to have a, a wide, um, wide representation of their music. So we talked about Lush Life already. I'm going to give you the well-known ones and the ones that are not as well-known. So, well, Cottontail is a, is a traditional uh, rhythm change, which is a form of. Uh, uh, it's like, you know, you have the blues, you have rhythm changes it's like a blues, but with a bridge in the middle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's uh, an excuse for all of us to improvise. The Coco, which is a fabulous tune that uh, represents a little bit more African, uh, kind of a, uh, in the Congo, um, Congolish music. Don't mean a thing. Of course, everybody loves it. Caravan, uh, Moon Indigo. So those are, you know, part, so take the A-Train, of course. So those are all tunes that, that people know and love, but 
We're also going to explore a little bit of the black and tan fantasy. Mm. Uh, Diminuendo and Crescendo in blue, which is not played very often. Uh, main stamp. Uh, all things ain't what they used to be. That's another tune we'll play. That, that's kind of a little bit more well-known. And uh, there's a bunch of other tunes, but uh, it's uh, we have about, I'd say, I don't know, 20, 15, 20 tunes we'll play in the concert because I... I also want to keep it that not pieces that will last for like, you know, 15 minutes each. We're yeah. keeping them fairly short to the point and uh, a few combo. And maybe I'll play a few tunes with the rhythm section as well. <laughs> and then maybe some of our saxophone and trumpet will join me on those. So I think we're going to have a good evening. It's going to be a lot of fun. Crescendo in blue. I don't know that piece. I know the black and tan piece, but. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's interesting, huh? Yeah, it sounds kind of like Gershwin meets Maurice Ravel kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, there's also the, the Jeeps blues. <laughs> yeah. I <might> <laughs> look forward to that, definitely. Oh, yeah. This concert is uh, a week from tomorrow. It's March 23rd, Thursday, uh, 8 o'clock p.m. at the Valentine Theater, the Toledo Jazz Orchestra with Elaine Trudell. Well, I want to thank you, Elaine. We're about out of time for the uh, conversation today, but we're looking forward to this concert a week from tomorrow, the Toledo Jazz Orchestra, with my guest today on Toledo Symphony Lab, Elaine Trudell, who is the music director of the TSO, also the artistic director of the TJO. Thank you, Elaine, for calling in today. My pleasure. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, the Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple, Google, and Spotify podcasts. And don't forget to check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website at ToledoSymphony.com and their various social media outlets on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find the TSO streaming platform online at stream.artstoledo.com. My thanks again to the Toledo Symphony's Alain Trudell. I'm Brad Crespo. You've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM91.